As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We continue to go deep down into our State of the Program series at The Athletic. But interestingly enough, and I did not realize when I decided this week we were going to do Miami and Michigan State, that I'd be talking about something very similar two days in a row until I read Colton Pouncey's State of the Program story on the Spartans. And that leads off with a quote from Michigan State's Athletic Director Alan Holler about Mel Tucker's extension. And this is what Alan Holler told Colton. Obviously, The extension was about Mel and his abilities to bring what he brings to our campus and our community. But it was also a statement to say Michigan State has a long-term plan to be committed to to a successful football program. If that doesn't sound like what Miami just did and what Manny Navarro and I talked about on yesterday's show, I don't know what does. Colton Pouncey, welcome. Thanks, Andy. It's good to be here. How you doing? Good. So Mel Tucker, the... $95 $95 million man coming off a great season. You, you've covered this team for a while. So you were there for the end of the Mark D'Antonio era. Pretty dark times. The, the search that landed Mel Tucker, which was, which I mean, I guess was Michigan State money whipping Colorado into losing Mel Tucker. But yep. this feels different. This feels like Michigan State saying, no, 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 no. We'd rather be more like Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I did catch up with, Allen last week, and we kind of talked about a lot of things. Uh, Michigan State has some money coming in for new facilities, um, the Mel Tucker contract extension. In his words, he kind of felt like that was the next step for the program. Um, you know, myself coming in 2018, covering Mark D'Antonio, back then he was talking about facilities and kind of the things that Michigan State needs to do to get to that next level. Um, you know, I think at Big Ten Media Days in 2019, he was talking about how a couple of years earlier, Michigan State and Clemson were both in the college football playoff. That one program, you know, ascended and Michigan State fell back to the pack. Um, some of that has to do with recruiting and things like that. But he also felt like, you know, there's some things that we can do as a program, as an athletic department to kind of boost ourselves after what I've done all these years, raising the level of this of this program, what it can be. And so he was talking about, um, you know, those facilities. And he, I think he took a trip to Clemson with Allen and the former AD Bill Beekman um, toward their facilities. I was talking about that back then. He kind of saw into the future, like, this is kind of what we need to do to kind of 
be more respected as a program and take ourselves to that next level. So um, it was kind of a, a continuation of that when Mel Tucker came in. You know, he's been at places like Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State, and he's seen these facilities and, you know, kind of what it takes to be a modern program. And um, not just that, but recruiting and the dedication it takes to all those things. And he's like, Michigan State, you know, he in his mind can get there. You know, the rest of us might be skeptical, but in his mind, he fully believes that Michigan State can get to that level. And Michigan State's now providing him with the resources to at least attempt that. And I don't know if that was always the case at Michigan State. You know, with Nick Saban in the late 90s, you know, they let him go to LSU. Uh, D'Antonio didn't always have those resources, even when he was winning, you know, that 2013 to 15 run. He didn't really have that. So at least Michigan State right now, they're making a concerted effort to say, we're dedicated to this football program. We think we have our guy in place. We locked him up for the next 10 years. Let's see what he can do. So how much of this was their regret? going back and saying we had Nick Saban on our campus and we let him go to LSU and become Nick Saban. And here's another guy who's doing really well right now who, Oh, by the way, LSU's open. Let's make sure he doesn't do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that was a a big part of it. Um, You know, Nick Saban was one of the guys that said, Hey, when you you guys are looking for a coach, I have a guy that's perfect for you. This is Mel Tucker. Um, you know, he was at this program when I was there in the late nineties. Um, you know, he's one of my mentees and he's the right guy for the program. So he actually vouched for Mel Tucker to get that job. And I think when Michigan state saw his success and saw all the things he was doing behind the scenes, even when they went, you know, two and five in 2020, they beat a couple of ranked teams. Um, you kind of see things trending in the right direction with recruiting, with his mentality, you know, all the stuff that he brings to the table. Um, and then 2021 season, that was sort of, you know, this is, you know, proof of concept. We actually have that now. So I think they were kind of seeing to the future and being like, you know, we're heading in the right direction. If we lose this guy after a year or two, two or three years, like what's the point? What was all this for? We got to lock this guy in place and see what he can do and then provide him with what everything he needs to at least attempt to get there. So I think, you know, the saving stuff is somewhat played a part, but it was more of them just saying, well, you know, what good is having this dude if we're going to lose him in a couple of years? Let's try to make sure that he uh, sticks around for a little bit at least. So they proof of concept is a great term to use for last season because you saw how good they can be. They more than anyone else used the transfer portal to transform their team. Interestingly enough, it wasn't a quarterback because you assume if, if, if you transform as much as they did, it will be a quarterback. But the homegrown guy, Peyton Thorne, wins the job. Anthony Russo did not win the job. But then really key spots, most most you know, notably tailback, they got much, much better very fast. How much did that sort of change the trajectory of that program? I think it changed it a lot. Um, You know, you can argue, you know, Peyton Thorne obviously won that job. Anthony Russo didn't. But I think you make the argument that bringing in a veteran like Russo really got the most out of Peyton Thorne. Not that he wasn't going to compete his ass off throughout, but um, you know, I think it raised his level of competition and said, hey, I got to win this job. If I want to play here, I have to give it my all in the offseason, go hard 24-7. Otherwise, this dude's going to come and take my job. I think that happened at a lot of positions, not just the quarterback position. Um, you know, they brought in some linebackers to kind of raise that depth. Um, the cornerback position, they brought in um, Ronald Williams from Florida, from uh, Alabama, Chester Kimbrough from Florida, um, kind of raised the depth there at certain positions. And obviously, a guy like Kenneth Walker, when he comes in, and does what he does, you're going to be pretty good. So yeah. I think across the board, just the level of talent, the level of competition increased and that, you know, Mel Tucker is like a cutthroat dude. He'll tell you like, no job is guaranteed. Like if you want to play, you got to work. And that's what he did. That was kind of his signal. He didn't have a chance to do that 
in 2020 when things were shut down, couldn't really evaluate his roster, couldn't bring in any of his own players or guys that he liked. So he kind of used that offseason, you know, 2020 going into 2021 to kind of put his fingerprints all over this program and say, this is how we run things, which I think you kind of saw play out in that, that 2021 season. Well, to talk about Mel Tucker's roster building, we have another friend with us. Uh, if you've been watching on the YouTube channel, you already know Ari Wasserman is here with us. Ari was not scheduled to be part of this <laughs> podcast originally, but then I popped open my athletic app. And by the way, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic and reading Colton Pouncey's Michigan State stuff and Ari's recruiting stuff and whatever nonsense I write, what are you waiting for? Dollar a month for your first six months. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. But Ari, in his recruiting mailbag, first question out of the gate is about Michigan State recruiting. And Ari, you apologized for being wrong. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, if you're a sports writer and you have opinions, as, as many as I have, and you can't admit when you're wrong, then you're just an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, I, uh, I'm not right 100% of the time, nor do I try to pretend like I am, you know? Um, and I just made uh, a bad error because l- l- let me tell you guys this. When Michigan State hired Mel Tucker, I thought he was the perfect hire because of his background in Ohio, his, his background being an assistant at Ohio State, um, his relationships with the high school coaches and the in the kind of the backbone of what, you know, Ohio high school football is all about. And the fact that I saw Mark D'Antonio, who, in my opinion, was probably the one of the five best coaches in college football during the height of Michigan State success in the last five, you know, five years, 10 years or however long it's been now. Um, and I thought that they were going to try to duplicate what Mark D'Antonio did because he did such an, uh, an amazing job. Um and I loved that because, like, to me, Michigan State, like, it's like, what do you think Michigan State should be? And I think Michigan State should be a team that is always a really hard team to beat, plays hard, hard place to go, and is good enough to win the Big Ten once every four or five years. Like, I, I don't view Michigan State, and I don't know if Michigan State fans, Colton probably has a better idea of this than I do, you know, think that they're a team that's going to be competing to win the conference every single year, regardless of turnover. So when I saw, so when I write about Michigan State, I, I thought, Oh my God, Michigan State gave Mel Tucker a hundred million dollars because he struck gold in the transfer portal one time. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Because I looked at their class last year and their 2022 class was was good for Michigan State standard, but it's not win the Big Ten standard. Um, and I was like, unless he continues to own the transfer portal like he did last year, which is highly unlikely considering the transfer portal is becoming more and more mainstream every minute that passes. Michigan State just gave somebody $100 million to run a program that might be pretty solid, but not elite. And he's the fourth highest paid coach in college football. So when you pay somebody $100 million, what's the expectation? That they're going to be solid or that they're going to be awesome? And I think you can ask the same question about that to Penn State, too. Um, But then I saw, then Colton told me I was wrong. Um, Thank you, Colton. Yeah. And I respect Colton because he's awesome (laughs) at his job. It won't be the last time. It won't be the last time. No, it won't. (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be entertaining if I was if I was always right or if I just said everything blandly. Um, but they, I saw the the official visits list in Michigan State, and I don't know if those numbers because that was from a few weeks ago. But you showed me a tweet that they had the most talent booked for official visits already out of anybody in college football, which is a fun stat. What was it thirty three official visits? It's probably more now it's more that were that, booked, yeah. and, and they were ahead of Georgia. That's the, right. They were they were number one. Talent. Georgia's two, and Florida was three at the time. Now, obviously. 
I think Ohio State and Alabama yeah. have probably uh, bumped up a little bit. And I went and I looked through the visitors who are booked, and there are a lot of high-end four-star prospects from all over the country. They're in Texas, you know. They're in they're in Florida, you know. They're all over the place. Colton probably knows them off the top of their head better than I do. And, and like I look at their offers lists to see like what kind of four stars they are. The Texas kids have A and M in Texas, and you know the other you know top fringe top one hundred players have elite level programs in there. And like so, for me to say that they are relying on Ohio is wrong. Now, I'm assuming that Ohio will always be a, a, a piece to what they do because it's close and there's talent there. And, you know, they've had so much success in the past getting, you know, Ohio kids to come in and change their program. But uh, I think Michigan State's in a very interesting spot right now because last year's class, in my opinion, isn't good enough to be what you think they should be. But at the same time, they might have a, a chance this year to sign a really, really, really good class. So right now I'm wrong because the, the visitors are coming in, but Mel Tucker's got to go earn that money and close now. So it'll be a very interesting few months to see how they do. Yeah. All right. We, we kind of talked about this when we were at Elite 11 last year. And I'm going to miss you there this year, bud. I know. <laughs> it's not going to be the same without you, man. It won't. But, uh, you know, we talked about this, and I was trying to tell you then, yeah, I see a lot of the similarity. I see what you were getting at where, you know, you have these two dudes that are, you know, basically rooted in Ohio, um, both coached together at Ohio State, um, I think at Michigan State, too, in the late 90s on Saban staff. Uh, so they have a lot of, you know, they've crossed paths a lot of different times, but they're really just polar opposites in, like, everything they do, where D'Antonio yeah. would take a 5'9 corner who he thought could be a really good cover corner or something like that. Uh, Dan, uh, Tucker won't even recruit them. Like, they won't even be on this board. Even if they're like a top 300 player that's 5'9, he's not going to recruit that kid. So, you know, we've talked about the size elements and the requirements mm-hmm. that he has there um, with recruiting. He's tailored his entire social media department for recruiting. Whereas I talked to their creative staff a few years ago, D'Antonio wanted everything internally. Everything that the creative team did was for the team. They would show it like, you know, these pregame hype videos for the players in the locker room. Tucker saying, no, put all this stuff out there so they can see what we're doing so we can kind of attract those players. You know, he puts his, you know, Nikes and his sneakers on on Twitter and everything, whereas D'Antoni would never do something like that. Um, and then I think, yeah, when it comes to roster management and all that stuff, D'Antoni was, you know, was a little bit more faithful to his own roster, whereas Tucker is like a little bit more cut, cutthroat. You know, one of his favorite sayings is compete to play, compete to stay. And then, again, when it comes to recruiting, the recruiting map has widened tremendously. Like, I don't even know if Ohio is a big element of Ohio of Michigan State's game plan mm-hmm. anymore. Like, I would say the new Ohio for them would probably be Georgia. And that's not to say they're going to land all these top 100 kids at Georgia. But I think the way Mel sees it is I've coached at Georgia. I have all these connections there. Um, I know all those high school coaches. I think I have an in more than maybe D'Antonio did. And so for him, it's like if I can get a three-star kid out of Georgia who's maybe a top 500, 600 player versus the same type of talent in Michigan, I'd rather get that kid because he's bigger, faster, stronger. They play football year-round down there, things like that. I, I think that kid's going to be more prepared to com- compete right away at Michigan State than a kid, you know, maybe in state that's a top 500 player, maybe a lower four star type who might not have the training and the athleticism and everything they look for. So I think that's sort of one of the differences there. And then the map, like California, Texas, you can go on the 24 7 list and look at all the states. That Georgia, Michigan, off. Arizona, Florida, California, Colorado, Indiana, Minnesota, Nevada, and Texas. Like how many kids from the Midwest are there? You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's changed wholeheartedly. And six, I don't think people realize that. And I looked this up right before this podcast. Uh, Michigan State between 2022 and 2023, 
have added 10 four-star prospects, and that's including the, it's still early in 2023. 10 between those two years, 2017, 18, 19, 20, and then 2021, Tucker's first class, same number, 10 four-stars. So, like, it's they're bringing in these kids, they're getting them on campus, and they feel if they have a, a chance to show them around campus, come in for these official visits over the summer, that they'll at least keep them an option down the road, and then who knows what happens from there. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Is recruiting nationally sustainable for Michigan State? Why not? Why wouldn't it be? I don't know who, how many middle-tier programs from where they're starting. I'm not saying they're going to be that way, but from where they're starting have had a successful national recruiting plan that's extended over a five-year period. Clemson. That's that's it. Okay, that's so the so so the list is Clemson, and we're so the, I guess the example <laughs> is the greatest try, build. But Miami's in the history trying of the to sport. do that now. Okay, but okay, Ari. So I guess they're Clemson then. If only there was a paradigm shift in the entire sport that changed the way everything works. Oh wait, yeah. there was. So well, I don't. Well, I don't know. I'm not an expert on like Michigan State's, you know, booster situation. So well, know. but but they okay. It's a giant school with a huge alumni base. Like, and this is this is Colton Ari and I were having this discussion before you came on, and before we started recording. And I want to get your take on this. I have yeah. I have a theory that any top half Big Ten program, if they decide to go all in, so we're talking about obviously Ohio State is all in. They are they are the the best of the best. But if Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, I say Wisconsin, I maybe Iowa, but I don't. I, the geography may hurt them a little too much. But those other ones I mentioned. If they said we're going to spend like Alabama and Georgia spend, we're going to just basically what Miami said they were going to do. We're going to spend like Clemson spends. They with the right coach, they can be a year in year out conference title contender and a year in year out national title contender. Am I sure. wrong? There hasn't been a single national title contender in the Big Ten that's not Ohio State in the last right, ten years. The, the amount of money that they have now. And the the size of these alumni bases at the schools I just mentioned, like it can be just like the top third of the SEC. So your prediction is that the that the NIL era is going to create more parity, especially in the Big Ten. Yes, and it, and it'll be it'll be like the top third of the SEC, where Georgia, LSU, Alabama, mostly Alabama, but Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida have won national titles in the last fifteen years. The schools I just mentioned in the Big Ten, if they all say we're going to spend the way Alabama and Ohio State spend on football and, and treat football the way they treat football, they absolutely can get into that if they have the right coach. What's the um, the Aaron Rodgers butter thing? 
the the I cleanse thing. Oh, the, the, I don't think it's butter. I, it, it's he took. I thought he was eating a lot of butter to lube and, his and insides. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you puke and poop. That's if a Big Ten team that's not Ohio State wins a national championship in the next five years, I'll do that. I cannot wait. <laughs> Ari's going to pay me a thousand dollars when USC doesn't make the playoffs in the next three years, and then wins a national championship. And then, and then when when Michigan State or Wisconsin wins a national championship, <laughs> we're gonna watch. Do, I I don't really want to film that, Ari. No, you we'll have to be in the, the room filming, and you have got to get the ghee butter. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I'll hold the mic, but I'm not. I might just be like in a bubble in, in a hazmat suit holding the mic. I'll be nowhere near that. Just so you guys know. <laughs> but am I wrong? Am I crazy for yes, thinking that? You are. Yeah. Am I crazy for thinking that? Look, I don't know if Michigan State's going to win a national championship over the next five years. I, if I had to bet, I would say no. But at the same time, like they are going to try to be more competitive, and that's all you can ask out of this era. And I think with the money, I think Michigan State will be competitive, and I, and I don't think they'll be dropping bags left and right. But they'll go after some players, and they have a couple billionaire donors that will probably, you know, be a resource for them. Um, and, you know, again, I think with Tucker's mindset, he, he's he been all those places and he thinks, why not at Michigan State? That's why he signed this extension. Who knows if he's going to be there for the entire 10 years of that contract, but he's around to see this through. And I think that's all you can ask for as a coach like that and a program like Michigan State. Let, let's let's talk about this this team on the field. Replacing Walker, obviously, is, is the biggest question offensively. But my bigger question offensively is how do you replace Connor Hayward? Because it feels like he was – the most important person to what they did, even though Walker was the one who probably got the best of the stats out of it. Yeah. Hayward was sort of this Jack of all trades type of H back tight end, whatever you wanted to call him. And I think people at Michigan state were kind of clamoring for that position change for years. He was playing running back under Mark D'Antonio and like no offense to him. He just doesn't have great vision. He's not fast. He's a big dude. He's kind of slow. So when you put him at there, put him back there with a terrible offensive line and ask him to rush for a thousand yards, like that was doomed from the start. So they kind of noticed, hey, this dude has great hands. He's a natural receiver. Why not just put him at tight end? Like, who cares if he's a little undersized? And so what you saw last year was him paving the way a lot of times for Kenneth Walker's big runs, you know, sealing the edge and, um, you know, using his hands and going up to get passes and sort of being the glue guy for the offense last year. And that helped his draft stop tremendously. It's why he got drafted. He's with his brother now with the Steelers. Um, but I think when you lose a guy like that, it's always tough. You know, offensive coordinator Dre Johnson calls that tight end position – the MVP of the offense, just because of all the things that they're asked to do. So they have a young guy named Malik Carr. Um, he's a four-star wide receiver. I think the 2020 class went to Purdue, then transferred to Michigan State last year. Uh, they switched from the tight end last offseason, and the returns so far were pretty good. You know, he's kind of the backup to Connor Hayward. I think a lot of is expected of him this year. You know, he's a big dude, runs like a gazelle. He's like 6'5". I think he's got NFL potential. He's got to learn how to block and all the nuance of that position, but I think they like him a lot. And then they also brought in Daniel Barker, a transfer from Illinois. I think he's got one year of eligibility left. I think he holds like some records there for tight ends at Illinois. Touchdown passes by or touchdown catches by a tight end, which is a pretty good record to hold. Absolutely. So he's coming in and he I think he'll be a guy that maybe can be a, a stopgap for Malik Carr if he's not fully ready to take that job yet. Um so you have those two guys there replacing. Malik Carr was on the basketball team too, right? He was, yeah, one of two players, uh, two football players on the basketball team this year. God, so I think he's very athletic, and he can go up and get some passes. So I think they like him and his potential. It's just a matter of if he can get there now, or maybe needs another year next year. This is this is interesting to me because everything changed so much last year, but they were they were pretty heavy in the portal this year too. 
You know, how many guys are they going to pull from the portal who are going to wind up not just in the 2D, but starting? I think there can be as many as maybe seven, Wow, which is crazy. I mean, you got two running backs, Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard. Broussard was the 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. I think he's probably going to win that job, whereas Berger might be the backup. But that's, you know, that's maybe your top two backs there you pull from the portal. Um, an offensive lineman, Brian Green, came up from Washington State. He's probably going to be a starting right guard. Um, they have two linebackers that they got from the portal that I really like a lot. Aaron Brule from Mississippi State and Jacoby Women from UNLV. Women had, I think, 118 tackles last year. Really, you know, quick on his feet, moves well. I think both those guys can end up starting. Um, so that's maybe four right there. Yeah. Amir yeah Br- from Brule's Georgia. Issue, I did the Mississippi State State of the program. Brule's yeah. situation was just that Jet Johnson, essentially, he in his – fifth year in the program came out of nowhere to be the best player on the defense and, and Brule lost his job, mm-hmm. but to a guy who made a hundred tackles in the sec. Right. So uh, yeah, Brule can start for, for almost anybody. So it is, it is going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they do this, but interesting to talk, to hear you talk about Mel Tucker's philosophy. And I've talked to Mel about this and you know, when he talks about other teams and other players, he, is always very complimentary of the coaching staffs that seem to understand what a roster must look like to be competitive and what the offensive linemen have to look like, what the defensive linemen have to look like, what the corners need to look like. And that's, that goes back to the Nick Saban critical factors thing, which goes back to Don James at, at Kent state and then at Washington. And I'm just curious, do you think he can get, because the, the issue is, a lot of times a coach will say, I will take the athleticism or the the size archetype. Yeah. And the ones that get both, that's Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. Do you think Michigan State can get both? Or will they have to pick one over the other? I think they can. They won't get all of them, obviously, but they'll get a, their fair share. I mean, when you look at this 2021 class, they were definitely leaning more size and not the total package. Um, that's because, you know, there's a new coach. Not a ton of time to recruit in person that year. Um, and I think you saw some of that carry over to 2022. But at the same time, I asked him in December, I was like, based off the year you guys just had, you know, you go 11-2, 10-2 regular season. Do you feel like you'll be able to reach more of those kids, more of those top talent? He was like, oh, absolutely. Like, we're already getting in the door with them. They're already impressed with what we did this past year. And, you know, based on our resources, the things that we can do, like, you know, we're, we feel confident that we'll be able to land some of those kids. And I think you're seeing it just by the fact that they're getting all these prospects on campus already, these are kids Antonio never would have gone after. Whereas yeah. Tucker doesn't have that self-imposed restriction where it's like, no, let's just stick to our Midwest. We'll get our Michigan guys. We'll get our, our Ohio guys, maybe the occasional Illinois kid. He's like, no, like let's open up the map. We'll bring you guys in, see what we can do. And a lot of these kids end up saying, wow, I didn't know Michigan, camp- Michigan State's campus was this big. I didn't, I didn't know it looked like this. I didn't know, didn't this know that, that ice cream at the creamery tasted so good. There you go. Yeah, hey. the dairy store. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Ari and I were talking about this before we, we started the show. Ari, I, I'm curious how you feel about this because you mentioned D'Antonio and there was D'Antonio's foray into we're going to recruit higher rated prospects. That ended well. in a disaster. That was 2006, yeah. this 2016 class. And I argue that he just chose the wrong ones. Like when one of them's getting arrested on signing day, Probably a sign that it's not going as well as you you think it is, but that's we and we've seen that we've seen going for high rated classes where it's not really you're not filling your needs necessarily. Tennessee suffered from that 
multiple classes and and that put him in a hole. Uh, I would I would say Florida had a couple like that where they're just chasing stars at the end and it's not necessarily to to fill any sort of need or or not specific to your scheme that you're running. It feels like Mel Tucker has more of a plan for this. Yeah, and well, it feels very similar to Kirby Smart and Nick Saban's plans for, for that sort of thing. Well, I've got a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Art. <laughs> Number one, I think Mark D'Antonio's genius was evaluation. Uh, because not only did he go and get those those three star prospects, you know, out of the Midwest that weren't getting big offers. Dar- Darquez Denard from Dry Barrett's Georgia, where they went to look at uh, at the receiver yeah, on the other the team Midwest. and were like, holy crap, this guy can play. And then those guys came up and not only contributed, but contributed early. Like they yeah. like he was a great evaluator. So like later on in his career, when they went to the playoff and they you know, they beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten and built those teams that did what they did. I felt like he changed who he was at the end to try to win a national championship. And I can't say that I blame him for that because, you know, you get to a certain point and you want to do what you can to get higher. And I guess the only way that he felt that they could do that was to go into a national recruiting approach and, uh, you know, go after guys that are, are rated higher. Now, I don't know if they were just star chasing but they certainly were trying to up their recruiting results so like that's mel tucker's plan right now but you know maybe mel tucker's a better recruiter than d'antonio well, and Dan- i also think just yeah. because it didn't work out for one class that 2016 class doesn't mean you have to stop chasing four stars and elite talent altogether. i just think you know there's some red flags that mark d'antonio overlooked big time with that class and it ended up screwing him in the end but at the same time like I also think he overcorrected a little bit, whereas that next class, it was like, well, I'm going to go back to my bread and butter doing exactly what I did, kind of pass up on some kids that probably would have come to Michigan State if you went after them. Um, at the same time, there's more op- competition for those three stars from Ohio. Kentucky got in the mix. Cincinnati, Cincinnati started their yeah. rise. So it's like, I don't think that game plan would have been sustainable. Like you talk about Mel Tucker's thing. Is that sustainable? Well, Michigan State should be up. winning those battles, in my opinion. They should be beating I, I don't Kentucky. Know if that's yeah. I mean, like for those kids in, in Ohio, whereas like obviously the top kids are going to go to Ohio State and maybe Notre Dame. Like if you're fighting for all these three stars, you know, mid to lower tier three stars with schools like Cincinnati and Kentucky, like in other schools that come in there, I don't think it's a guarantee. I, it's easy to say MSU should be winning those. But I think instead of fighting for lower tier prospects in that state, they're going to Georgia, they're going to Texas and fighting over there where there's more <laughs> talent. Atlanta's like the most competitive market in, in college football I'm, recruiting outside I'm, of South Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting Ari, chased out of Ohio because you can't beat Kentucky if, and Cincinnati. If you, you have can't have a national research, recruiting plan. If you have a coach that's been in Georgia that's yeah. competed no, for I know, I get it. Georgia, I get it. all these I get connections, it. why not? They still got to get on an airplane. But if you're going to spend $95 million on a coach, yeah. you better swing for the damn fences. No, Absolutely. I know. I understand that. But stop, it's also, stop, don't even try to fight Kentucky for players. Like, We're saying here that they Georgia. have a national recruiting yeah. plan and they're going up against SEC programs instead of Kentucky and Cincinnati. And we're talking about a coach who hasn't signed a top I'm not 100 saying, player. I'm yet. not saying Mel is scared of Ohio. I'm saying D'Antonio, like, with his recruiting strategy, he wasn't landing those kids versus Kentucky and Cincinnati. Those programs had more use by the end of his tenure than sure. he had back then. So and the question, too, I want to know, and I'm like, I don't know what the, the actual answer to this is, but when you look at the 247 composite rankings, there's a ranking system between one and a thousand that you, you know, the players are ranked what they're ranked. And I think there seems to be this understanding. I read a lot about it in the comments today and on Twitter, but apparently people value a player who's rated 550 in Georgia, higher than 320 in Ohio. 
Like, is do people think that like just because somebody lives in Georgia that they're bigger, stronger, and faster? No, they play better players, and so, so the rankings are wrong, and, and they're surrounded by better players because they're ranked. Like, it doesn't matter where you're from if you're the three twenty right. player, but or the it's, it's very player. difficult to compare someone who plays. You know, it, now it depends. So you on where think you are. that the player in Georgia is better than the if player in Ohio? If you that we, player in Georgia and drop them in Michigan, they're probably a four star based it on depends what on they where they are. But yeah, competition. Yeah, that's, that's that's the argument. So then, there. So then, the entire ranking system is flawed in your mind. No one's saying that. The entire ranking system, of course, it is. is if flawed, you take Ari. a player that's <laughs> we, five, we know if, that. If you take a player that's rated five fifty and drop him in Michigan, and he's no. a four star player, then the that idea, means that he's misranked. No, Ari. the idea is if a player who's maybe a, a world guy on his team, not the top prospect, maybe like the fifth best player on that team in Georgia, if it's stacked, you drop that player in Michigan where he's a star and has more t- more chances to shine. His ranking maybe different. that helps his ranking. I don't think that's a stretch to say. Yeah, no, I'm not saying above, that you're wrong. I'm just wondering it, it's, if people it's think a, that you take an above average high school team from the Atlanta area and send them into Ohio or Michigan to play the best teams. They're, they're going to handle themselves very well. And so you so so basically what you're counting on is that Michigan State thinks that the 550th best player in Georgia is actually better than the 320th best player in, Michigan. in some cases. Sure, we'll be right back after these words. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. They've gone after lower-ranked Georgia kids than higher-ranked Michigan. That's the whole plan. Yeah, and I'm very curious to see how that plans out. Maybe that'll yep. maybe you'll be. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just find it fascinating because it is. It's just a simple numbers list. It's it's, it's rudimentary math. It's not and, though, because there's there's more to look at. In no, the South. I know, I know, but there's that means that the entire the system. There's more people now. Ohio is a different animal because Ohio is very much like the Southern states in terms of how many people play. How good how good the coaching is like Ohio and Georgia. Georgia's got more. Georgia may have more people participate. I'd, I'd have to see the participation numbers. I, I'd be curious to see what the difference in partic- participation is in Georgia and Ohio. It could be very similar, but the coaching quality in Ohio is off the charts good. The coaching quality in Georgia is off the charts good. Better than say Florida. Uh, the only thing I'll, I'll buy about that is that they do spring football in Georgia and they don't in Ohio. And I think over the course of a four-year period, if you get four spring footballs, that's almost an entire extra season of experience. So, like, I get it. Like, I'm not. It saying also gives that. those coaches a, 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 a more of a chance to see them playing actual yeah. football. And there's more camps down there too. So, like, I understand the the concept, but you know, you would think that because they play in those leagues and because they have they have uh, spring football and because there's more access to to camps that they would be properly rated and thus rated higher than the Ohio kids. They're 200 spots behind. Now here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
And Ari, if I have to explain to you why people think football players from the South are better than football players from America. No, you don't have to explain to me. I, I get it. I'm just saying, like. I mean, the results kind of bear that out over the you, last, I know, I don't but know, the rankings years. do, too. That's what I'm, like, if you have a top stud from, from the Midwest who's ranked 113, I'm not going to automatically assume that the dude that's ranked 279 in Georgia is better because he lives in Georgia. But I'm going to I'm going to trust the guy who has worked in all those places. Sure. And evaluated yeah. players in all those places and making one hundred million dollars. You just better not be wrong. He better not. But here's the other part of this. And this is where the hundred million dollars comes back in. What we're arguing about does not matter if he doesn't get some of those guys that are ranked number one in Georgia or number one in Florida. He has to That's start with top hundred guys first. There top hundred. OK, yes. Yeah. Top, so. Number 10 in Georgia or number 20 yeah. in Florida. Like, and number 10 in Georgia has an Alabama offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's what matters. It's like, just a very like tough thing to start your when, plan when you, on. It's like, when let's you, beat Alabama for a guy who's got an, an Alabama offer. All right. When you sign that contract. But to see, that's that's what he signed up for. Wait, what's the what's the Don Draper quote we always use on this podcast? That's what the money's for. Like mm -hmm. when he signed that contract, that's his job now. Just like I, you know, last year with the Dan Mullen stuff where, where I, I said, I don't know if he understands that his job is to win the national title. When you sign a contract that is $95 million, fully guaranteed, your job is to win the national title. Your job is to beat Alabama for recruits that Alabama wants. Your job is to beat Ohio State for recruits that Ohio State wants. That is now Mel Tucker's job. But if I signed up for a marathon, how long's a marathon, Mr. Sixpack? 26.2 miles. Okay, if I'm like, my wife's going to come home from out of town tonight. She's going to come in and I'll be like, babe, I've been really thinking about, you know, taking care of myself and I'm, I'm really going to commit to being in better shape. And, you know, mm -hmm. in order to prove to you that commitment, mm -hmm. I'm going to run a marathon. She's not going to be like, all right, Ari, get your ass out there and run 26 miles. It takes the five mile run first and the seven mile run no and the to, two uh, mile run to 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 give a nod to one of mel tucker's favorite books it takes what it takes it, it and and that he understands it's that a, yeah if, if michigan state comes out and signs a top five class with nine top 100 players in it this year and half of them are from the south and california then i will throw him a parade in my neighborhood <laughs> it's not going to happen this year but what i'm saying is but how many For players of those work. 33 players, though, of those I, 33 players that are coming to campus, you know what? Let's make an even number. Let's say Nell Tucker has 10 top 150 players coming, and none of them are from the Midwest, and all of them have a, a, a blue chip SEC offer. So, Colton, what would you define a success of how many players he would have to sign out of those 10? Like four or five. I think so that's half? Good. That's a lot. Sure. Okay, they're in on a lot of these dudes. They sit well. No, I know they're in on a lot of people. But no, I am. Not just, and it's not just getting them on, on campus for June. Like they've been building these relationships since they arrived in 2020 with some of these kids. If, you know, like, I want I, you to do me a favor uh, when we're done here and go look at the top 10 players in New Jersey for the past seven years and then go look at all their final lists and tell me how many had Rutgers in their final list. And then how many of them pick Rutgers? I'm not, and I'm not comparing Michigan State. What does to Rutgers. Rutgers have to do with this? I'm yeah, just saying that that, being would, that a, would require all these players the only to be from Michigan. No, no, but I'm saying like being a hat on the table is one thing. You got to be picked. Yeah, but and it, the, Rutgers was a hat on the table because they were down. He keeps the rolling his eyes at me. What am I saying that's wrong? 
I get that you don't you understand the dynamics in, of, of the situation you're talking I, about. I, I, I just think it's never I think been it's a hat on the table for a lot of these kids. The fact that that's happening now, I think that's a step in the right direction. That in order for them to have a successful or for it to be a success, they have to sign half of these national recruits. Look, that's a huge a step forward in a single year. They had a top 25 class last year, and that was after going 46 the year before. I think this year they'll finish in the 12 to 16 range. And that's another step in the right direction. And they, and they need to that. be in the top eight. But, uh, well, I'm, I'm, it, I'm the, between the two of you here because that's the you job. You just said his job was to win a national championship. Yeah, I'm they need, that okay, vibe. be in the top sure. eight and then be in the top five. And then and that's how it works. My it's thing is, you get to 12 to 16 and stack yeah. classes like that and then keep utilizing the portal like they are. I think they can build competitive teams. Now, again, I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship. I think they can be competitive in the Big Ten. I think their goal is to give Ohio State a run every few years and then see what happens from there. And if you do, it could expand the playoff years from now. Which is exactly what they've start. been for the past decade. Not really. I mean, Michigan when they State got was there, the they biggest thorn of Ohio State side for the entire Urban Meyer era. They got to the playoff in 2015. They got embarrassed. Mel Tucker's on the other sideline. It's all exactly what happened, you know, against Alabama that year. So I think he kind of understands I need a higher level of player to try to at least stack up and then give yourself a chance. I know, but you what saw, you just you saw, described was to be a to be a a contender to win the Big Ten every few years and to beat Ohio State. And they what did they beat him three times during the Urban Meyer era? Yeah, I'm saying I think Mel Tucker's thinking bigger than that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and here's the thing: unless Coleman Michigan, argue, that's our entire unless Michigan and Penn today. State throw in the way Michigan State has. You got three. You got three coaches in the Big Ten East that are being paid to win a national title now. Uh, I'd say four. Maybe four with Harbaugh. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's that's the SEC. That's the SEC yeah. every year. So it's it's a cutthroat business. Michigan State, and maybe I just don't, I'm not remembering this, but like Michigan State in the entire history has Michigan State's football team won a national title? Yes. Yeah. What year was it? The sixties. Okay. So you apparently never ever- watched a police academy movie, Ari. Oh, I have, but I know Hightower. I, it's been yeah, a while. Yeah, Bubba Smith, former Michigan State football player. I, I, I don't know that. I'm sorry. I don't know every single obscure <laughs> college football fact about the American cinema. But what I do know is that like Michigan State hasn't been what we're describing in like the last 40 years. Is that fair? So sure. like it's like a, it's going to be like a tough road is all I'm saying. Like that's like it, to build. It feels like you're confused that Michigan State's trying to punch above its weight. I feel like you're confused by that. I'm just trying to tell you that's Mel Tucker's whole thing. Yeah, it may not work, yeah. but that's what no they're trying to do. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, it's like you you said his job is to win a national championship. Then you compared to what he's trying to do to Clemson. And I'm like, I'm just trying to like, in my head. Like, Ari, kind do of, you know, do you yeah. remember 2008? Do you yeah, remember, remember what Clemson was? I remember. Do you remember what you would have said about Clemson in 2008? I remember. Okay. What Dabo Sweeney did with Clemson is probably the most remarkable thing that anyone's done in the sport outside of so Nick Saban. So no one should ever try it. No, no. Again, I'm, if they do it, that'd be insane. I, I honestly, I would bend down. We're not and, and saying pray. they're going to do it. We're saying no, this is what they're trying to do. What, what's the alternative? You just settle for mediocrity. Like, why not yes. try to? Yes, no, okay. no, I'm kidding. No, right. you're right. I always say that too. I say don't settle for mediocrity. I think it's a very ad, it's a very courageous jump to take so quickly. Sure. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm not it's, arguing it's like, that. It's like it is. they went from like, uh, maybe we'll sign a top 30 class and get a bunch of Midwestern kids to like, holy shit, Alabama, get out of the way. It's like, it's just a huge jump. Yeah. yeah. Ari. And I'm, and I doubt that they'll be able to pull Ari. it off the way that 
it's, it's being you described. looking in the mirror when you're a single guy, looking in the mirror, and then going to the bar and going, I can talk to her. That's all that is. It's the same attitude. Well, I, I talk to everybody. I am aware. Yeah. And now Michigan State feels like it can talk to everybody, but too. But you, you have me rooting for them. Like, I think it would be great. Good. Like, if Michigan State was awesome, <laughs> that would be awesome. I feel the same way about Michigan. I feel the same way about Penn State. I feel the same way yeah. about Wisconsin. I feel the same way about a lot of programs that may be able to, in this new era, use the changes to get in that that game. We'll see if it happens with Miami. They're going to try it. You know, Florida seems to be trying it. This is this is the time. If you're going to try to make that shift, now's the chance. So it it may work. It probably won't. But it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Gentlemen, this has been a pleasure.